Well, good morning. We're so glad you're here to Barrel Life Church. Thank you so much for coming and worshiping with us today, whether you're worshiping online or in the house this morning. I don't know if you know this, if it's your first time or first time in a long time, but we are one church and at two locations. We have a church in our Grayson uh, location. Can we get for our Grayson campus? Come on, man. We love you guys. Uh, so thankful and proud of you for what God is doing for you guys and serving this past weekend there in Carter County and just to hear the reports. It's been amazing to see what God is doing. Some great things in our region. Well, we're in this series called Experiencing God and hopefully God has been using this series in your life to speak into your heart. Also, if you're part of our groups, uh, we have some groups going through this content together and meeting. Some even meet here on, on Monday nights, been going through that together. I'm hoping and praying that God is using that to open up your eyes as he invites you into this unbelievable faith journey, this unbelievable journey to, to be used by him to impact the people around you. We know God is actually using this series. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but man, we are just, I don't know what's going on. God is moving in people's lives, but we've seen like over 30 people saved over the last few weeks. Is that not amazing what God is doing in our church? I'm telling you, man. People crossing from death to life and experience him and, and freedom in Christ. And so that's just amazing to see what God is up to here at Better Life Church. But this series has been fun. If, if you're with us, we talked about in week one that God is working everywhere. No matter where you go, uh, God is at work doing something. And if we would just open up our eyes and see that God is doing something at work, God is doing something at school, God is doing something when we're just out shopping, God is doing something when we're just out eating, God is doing something in our homes and in our families when we think that maybe we can let our guard down and God maybe not be up to something, but God is always moving around you and he wants to invite you into this unbelievable journey. In fact, he will pursue you because he loves you that much. We talked about it. Some people think that because of your sin, God runs away from you, but it's because of your sin that God runs to you because he wants a loving relationship with you. And when God begins to pursue you, he will invite you. He will say, follow me, join me because I wanna save a world. I wanna save your family. I wanna save your friends. I wanna, I wanna in the midst of the darkness of your workplace, I wanna be right there and minister to the people who are hurting. So God will invite you to join him. And then God will speak. God will speak, and God will speak to you. We talked a little bit about that last week. How does God speak to us? How do I know it's the voice of God, and what do I do when God speaks? Here's what I know what's gonna happen. Every time God speaks to you, that's what we're gonna talk about today, you're gonna to come to a crisis of belief, as Blackaby says in his study that we're going through together. You're gonna to have to make a decision. Am I gonna trust, am I not gonna trust? Am I gonna believe, or am I not gonna believe? Because what you do after God speaks to you will reveal what you believe about him. You're gonna to come to this crisis of belief. And that word crisis really just means a turning point. It means actually the Greek word we get a word from decision. You will have to make a decision every time God speaks. Either God is true or he's not true. Either God said so or he didn't. Either God's in it or is not, and I'm have to choose by faith, am I gonna trust when God says do something? When God invites you to, just invite your coworker to church, just just throw it out for something. Am I gonna say yes, or am I gonna say no? When God invites you to be generous and bless someone who needs help, you're gonna have to make a decision, yes or no. And then just for the record, the devil's not gonna, you know, uh, prompt you to be generous. So if something in your heart wants to bless something, that is coming from God, he's, he's sharing that with you, and what you decide next is gonna reveal what you believe about him. And when we go through the scripture and see all these great men and women of God, all of them came to a crisis of belief. 
We go back to Adam. Adam, do not eat from this tree or you'll die. Well, what you do next is going to determine what you believe about God. Abraham, I want you to go to a land. What land am I going? I'll show you when you get there. Just trust me. Will you go? And Abraham goes. Lot, I'm about to destroy this city. Don't, don't look back. If you look back, I'm going to destroy you. What you do next determines on what you believe about God. Moses at a burning bush, go get my people. Go free them from Egypt and I will be with you because I'm bringing destruction on Pharaoh. What you believe, what you just heard is going to determine what you believe about God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who would not bow down and worship the false king's idols and was thrown into the furnace. I, I was going to preach on that this morning. I'm going to save that one. I, I really love that story. Uh, it, it gets me fired up, no pun intended. But anyway, um, and so they're, what they believe next about God, should I worship the false idol or not? And they're thrown into a fire, but then God's presence comes in and rescues them and saves them. Jesus going to the disciples, follow me. I have to make a decision. I'm at a crossroad, leave my profession and follow Jesus. Where this may end, I don't know. But you will have a crisis of belief and you have to make a decision. And what you do next will say what you believe truly about God. You know, I'll never forget, I was sitting there and clear as can be when God spoke and said, it's time to go plant a church and leave. Leave everything and go to Moorhead. I came to a crisis of belief. Either I'm gonna have to choose God said, said this and act upon it because there's no faith without actions. James talks about that. If you don't have action with your faith, it's dead faith. There will always be an action. We'll get to that. We'll talk about that towards the end of the series. But what you do next when God speaks will reveal what you believe about him. So I could have said no and stayed or scared like I was, but trust by faith, God said it, and go. When you don't know anyone, you have anything, it's just you and your family, and let's just go and see what God's gonna do. And if God's in this, then he's gonna show it. Let's just take the step of faith. But see, every time when God speaks, you'll come to a crisis of belief. Did you say this, or did he not say this, or he did say this, and I know God said this. What are you gonna do about it? What are you gonna do about it? That will reveal what you truly believe about God. And there's really two responses to this. You're going to come to a crisis. He calls it a crisis of belief. What are you going to choose to believe? God or yourself? God's word or your feelings? God's word or what the world says? You'll come to a crisis and you will have to choose when God speaks. And so you're either going to walk in belief or you're going to walk in unbelief. And unbelief is costly. In fact, I want to share that to you this morning. In fact, that's the two, faith, two words I want to focus on is belief and unbelief. If you have your Bibles in Mark chapter 6, I want to share this, and then we're going to flip right over to Mark 9 because I want to compare these two uh, stories just for a moment. Because I know how some of you feel. You, as your pastor, I believe, but sometimes I doubt. I believe God can use me, but I don't know really if, if he can if he wants to use someone like me. I, I think I could go ask him and invite him to church, but I don't know, no. I think I could be generous, but I, I know what God says when it comes to tithing and giving, but it just doesn't work that way in my family because of my finances, and it just doesn't budget out that way. And I know what God's word says, but see, every time God speaks, you'll come to a crisis. Am I gonna believe God or am I not gonna believe God? And all of us have to walk this out individually. 
But unbelief is costly. And in Mark chapter six, we, we see this. Jesus goes back to his hometown. Some of you, you're in your hometown right now. Sometimes you get to go back to your hometown from time to time and you catch up with some old friends. And then if you're, you know, you'll have a bump into a teacher. I remember you when you were in school. You were the meanest kid ever, right? And I'll, and I'll talk about the trouble you used to get into. Or our, You see, what, you know what's amazing is that when you go back to your hometown, they remember who you used to be. Not who you are now and how God really changed your life. And instantly it's like you connect right back to, yeah, I remember in high school we were playing ball over here. And you have all these stories, right? Well, Jesus goes back to his hometown and they're amazed by his wisdom. They're amazed. What's in the world has happened to little baby Jesus? The baby Jesus is now grown up. Isn't this like the, the Joseph kid? Isn't this like the carpenter? Isn't this one who put your porch on, Johnny? Remember, didn't Jesus help build your porch? And, and now he's here preaching like a rabbi with authority and he's, what in the world happened to baby Jesus, right? And he's talking about all of his hometown and people's like, whoa, and all of a sudden, and all of a sudden they begin to ridicule like this can't be the one. And Jesus makes a statement about, if you remember this, even a prophet is not welcome and honored in his hometown. And I, I want you to see this because this is very costly for the people in his hometown. In verse four, it says, Jesus told them, the ones who were asking, is this the one that put the deck on? This is baby Jesus. Where did he get all this wisdom? Look what he says. A prophet is honored everywhere except in his hometown and among his relatives and his own family. By the way, who did not believe that he was the Messiah. Verse five, probably one of the most saddest verses in all the Bible. And because of their unbelief. Now look what the scripture says. Don't, no, this is the almighty, powerful God who can do anything. And look what it says. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't, or he could not, he couldn't do any miracles among them. Not that he wouldn't do, but he couldn't do. Their unbelief kept them from receiving the anointing or the supernatural power of God. And it goes, except to place hands on a few of the sick people and heal them. And then it says this again, verse six. And he was amazed Astonished. Now, come on now. You, how are you going to think you're going to astonish, amaze Jesus? He was amazed, not at their belief, but by their unbelief. And their unbelief kept them from receiving miracles in their life, kept them from seeing God move mightily in their life. Their unbelief kept them stuck in their circumstance. And in their situation, folks, listen to me. Some of you right now, you're stuck because you don't believe. You don't believe God can fix your marriage. You don't believe God can help you financially. You don't believe God can come through with you in your job. You don't believe that God can help you get into that school. You don't believe that God can heal you physically. You don't believe. And some of you right now, you are stuck by unbelief and you want to blame everybody else. Well, it's my boss's fault. If my boss just kind of got that figured out, well, it's my wife. You don't understand when I come home and she's going to nag at me and yell at me. If I just, if I just had this or my husband, all he wants to do is lay around and don't do that. And you go back and you want to blame everybody. It's really what you don't believe that God can do what he says he can do. And folks, if he could resurrect his son from the grave, he could fix anything in your life. Do you believe? Will you take him at his word? And it was their unbelief that kept them from receiving the miracles of God. Now, isn't that tragic? Isn't that sad? 
I mean, I, you know, you've heard people say, you know, you get to heaven someday and God's going to open up a book box and go, oh, look what you could have. You know, people, people say, I'm like, no, that's not how it's going to be. <laughs> that's not true, right? No, put that box away. That's not like God, God's going to get you over and guilt you going, if you would just ask, I would have done this. If you would just believe, look what I've done in your life. Then God doesn't, he's not going to work that way. But I understand what they're trying to say. All the blessings and the miracles we miss on this side of heaven because our, we walk by sight and not by faith. The faith that saved you. God, I believe that you are God's son. Jesus is your son. And I believe he died on the cross for me. And I believe he got up out of the grave for me. And that faith that would take you to heaven. But folks, when you walk by faith and live by faith today on earth, it brings heaven here. And you will get to experience the miracles that God has for you in your life if you'll just walk by faith. But I don't believe but I know how some of you feel because this is some of the places I find my own self. So I'm, I'm, I'm not preaching at you. I'm, I'm with you in this. God, I believe, but I doubt. God, I, I believe, but I have unbelief. What do you do when you believe and you doubt and they collide at the same time? Can belief and unbelief exist at the same time? God, I believe you're gonna do it, but man, I don't know if you're really gonna come through, man, because I don't know this marriage is this tough. God, I believe you can help us get out of debt, but I just don't know about how this tithe stuff works, and I don't really know if I can trust you with my finances just yet, because, yeah, thank you for, you know, blessing my children, and thank you for giving me a job, and thank you for making me healthy, but I just don't know if I can trust you yet with my finances, because I just don't believe enough yet. I still, got, I still doubt. Like, when can you get to the point, you go, God, I'm just going to trust you. I know what you've said, and I trust you. God, I know you asked me to forgive them, but this hurts so bad. I just don't know if I can forgive them because I just, I, I don't, I just don't, I think vengeance should be mine and, and vengeance is, is not yours and, and, and you won't make them pay for it, right? Because you have this dialogue with God back and forth because you think they got off the hook when you forgive them and you won't forgive someone even though God's already spoke that. You're not waiting for a word. God's already spoke that. Will you forgive them? Do you believe that vengeance is the Lord's and trust him to take care of that? God, I believe it, man, help my unbelief. You don't have to raise your hand, but have you ever been there before? I believe you can, but I just don't know if you will. I think you might, but I just will you come through. And you're like, it's like you're high, low, high, low, high, low. So there's another story, if you flip right over to Mark chapter nine, that actually kind of puts all this in, into the, what I wanna share with you because sometimes we find ourselves just like this guy. Jesus just comes off the mountain transfiguration. If you haven't read that story, it's a pretty cool story. You should go. Maybe a good even bedtime story. It's, it's a great story. You should read this. He's on top of a mountain and he transforms and there's Moses and Elijah and, and Peter gets into this building campaign. He goes, let's build a tabernacle for you and build a tent for you and, and for Elijah and Moses and Jesus. And I'm like, but you don't want to be building nothing right now, man. Lumber is like sky high. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to be building that right now. Like you have to make a decision right now. Put your kid through college or put on a back porch. <laughs> it costs the same. So you got to figure this out. You know, like, sorry, son. You getting student loans. We're getting a porch, right? And so, I mean, like, it's just crazy. And so he gets in this building campaign and all of a sudden he hears the voice of God. This is my son who I'm, well, I don't know why God, he probably doesn't sound like that, but in my mind, that's what it sounds like. He, and I'm well pleased with him. Watch him. So they're coming back down off the mountain, Peter, James, and John. Now remember, there's 12 disciples. The, Peter, James, and John was kind of like his boys. You know, he kind of like really close to him and he, he poured his life into them. But the other nine disciples at the bottom of the mountain, guess what they're doing at the bottom of the mountain? The Bible says they're arguing with the religious leaders and the scribes. 
They're going back and forth and they're arguing back and forth. And now there's a crowd around and they're going, fight, 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 fight. Now, I don't know if it was doing that, but that's how my mom pictures it. And they're going back and forth and, and everyone is, is just mad and they're, they're arguing like, who's right, who's wrong? And all of a sudden, here comes Jesus walking down with Peter, James, and John coming off the mountain. And they're like, oh, look, it's the rabbi. And everybody runs to Jesus and circles around Jesus. And Jesus looks around and says, what in the world are you guys arguing about? What's the problem? And in the midst of that, in the midst of that chaos, there's a story. And I believe that a lot of us will resonate with this guy today. And in Mark chapter nine, we see this. We see in verse 17, it says, as, as Jesus was surrounded by all the people, one of the men in the crowd spoke up. Now everybody's yelling back and forth with the scribes. The religious people says this, and, and the Old Testament says that. And they're going back, back and forth. And all of a sudden, a guy comes up going, man, listen, teacher, rabbi, I brought my son so you can heal him. He possess, he's possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk, so he's mute. And whenever the spirit seizes him, he throws him violently into the ground, and then, he, he, and then he, he foams at the mouth, and he grinds his teeth, and he becomes rigid. So I ask your disciples to cast out the spirit, but they couldn't do it. Now, previously, if you know, Jesus sends the disciples out and says, listen, demons are going to bow down before you. I'm going to give you all the authority for make that happen. They'll take nothing with you, and people are going to take provide for you. And all of a sudden, the man brings the boy to Jesus, and I can see the, I mean, brings the boys to the nine disciples because Jesus is up there in a building campaign with Peter, James, and John, and he's sitting here, and he's, here's the nine disciples, and he goes, hey, I got a son here who's got an evil spirit. Could you cast out the demon? Now, see, the story doesn't say that. You know? I mean, the story doesn't tell exactly how that happens. In my mind, I can, I can imagine them sitting there going, Bartholomew going, hey, boys, I got this. Back up. Bring your boy here. Come here. Heal! <laughs> you know? and, 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 and then nothing happens, and the demon stays there. And then they're like, okay. Then the next disciple goes, let me try. You got to get in formation. You got to get your hands like this and heal. And, and he does it heal. And then and the other one just, I, I don't know what he does. I don't know. I'm just making things up right now because I don't know. But he brings it to the, to the non-disciples, and none of them can cast it out. So now the dad says, I just got to wait for the guy who can't do it. Where's Jesus? He finds him. He brings him to Jesus. Jesus makes this statement in verse 19. You faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Now, when you read that, you think he's talking to the disciples. Come on, man. You've been walking with me. Don't you have faith? Why do you have this doubt, this unbelief? But he's not. He actually, he's addressing the religious leaders. Five times through the book of Mark, he makes this statement about being faithless to the people. And it was always to the scribes, to the Pharisees, to the religious people. He goes, how come y'all don't believe me? How come y'all don't believe? It must have been what they were arguing about, that Jesus is not the son of God. He can't cast out demons. He really can't heal people. And he goes, you faithless group of people, bring me the boy. Now watch this, verse 20. So they brought the boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus... It threw the child into a violent convulsion. He fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. When hell breaks loose in your life, it may be because the demon sees Jesus is coming. When everything starts to break loose in your life, you're like, man, things have been falling apart. Maybe because the enemy recognized Jesus is about to do something up in your life and in your house and in your family and in your career and in your finances. And the devil doesn't want that to happen. And he sees Jesus is coming because he sees Jesus wants to set you free. He sees Jesus wants to use you. And all of a sudden, all hell begins to break loose in your life. 
So when that begins to happen, maybe you just stop for a moment, start looking around because Jesus is on his way. Something is about to change. And then this is cracks me up. <laughs> this is so funny. What's this? Look what happens in verse 21. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy father. Since he was a little boy, the spirit often just throws him into the fire, into the water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us. Help us if you can. <laughs> the little boy begins to be brought to Jesus. All of a sudden, he falls to the ground, and he begins to shake and foam at the mouth. And I mean, that would be horrible to watch and see. Jesus sitting there going, so how long has he been doing this? <laughs> he's having a conversation with his dad. What's in the boy? How long has this been going on? Ah, you know, since we, you know, we used to, we, our first time we were on a camping trip and we were camping, there was a fire and he tried to throw him into the fire and I don't know what's going on. And, and he started foaming the mouth and said, okay, it's a, since he's a little boy. Okay, what's, <laughs> he's having a conversation with the dad when this demon is going to rip havoc all over this little boy. So I, I guess the man begins to see the conversation is not going where he thought, so he gets desperate here. And look what it says real quick at the end of 22. He says, have mercy, have compassion on us, help us. And then watch this. Look what it says. If you can. I think so many of us are right there. God fix my marriage. <laughs> if you can. I break this addiction. I'm tired of this addiction having control of my life. Please, God, break it if you can. God, bring my kid home. They've gone off the deep end. God, bring my kid home. If you can. God, find me a job. Just help me get a job if you can. God, I'm trying to find Mr. and Mrs. Wright. Are they out there? God, please, if you can. I believe this is where most of us live. God, if you can. I believe, <laughs> but please, if, if what? God speaks, and like, I don't know if you can do that, God. And you will have to make a choice when you come to this crisis in your life, when God speaks to you, will you believe or will you have unbelief? And I love what Jesus says next. Jesus, it is not doing with arrogancy because Jesus cannot sin, he was sinless. He's not doing with pride, but look what he says. I love this, verse 23. What do you mean if I can? You know who you were talking to. He gets all like, <laughs> mafia here. You know who my father is. Can you imagine this? <laughs> what do you mean if I can? What do you mean if I can fix your marriage? What do you mean if I can help you break this addiction? What do you mean if I can't get you a J-O-B? What do you mean if I can't get you through school? What do you mean if I can't help you find the love of your life? What do you mean if I can? See, I, see what we do with God? I believe, but I just don't know. I, I believe, but then I doubt. What do you mean if I can? <laughs> and then here it is. In the verse 23. Anything. Say it with me. Anything. Anything. Is possible. If, see that condition? If, if you believe. See, that's the problem with most of us. We don't believe. We don't believe God can do what he says he can do. We think the Bible's full of miracles, but God is not doing miracles today. We think, yeah, that happened in the Old Testament, that can't happen today. That happened in the New Testament, that can't happen today. Come on, that God doesn't do those things today. Are you kidding me? Anything is possible. If you'll just believe 
And I believe, honestly, with everything in my own personal life and your life, what holds us back is we don't believe. We do it lip service, but we don't believe. And it's in that belief, in that faith, is where God begins to do the impossible. And then here it is. Here it is, verse 24. That was all introduction. Here's the sermon. You ready for the sermon? Here it is, verse 24. The father cried out instantly, and I believe this is where most of us live. I do believe, I do, but help me overcome my unbelief. Belief and unbelief coexisting in the same place at the same time in the same person. I believe, I know Jesus, you can, I've heard all about it. God, but help me now overcome it. And you know what? That's all Jesus needed. And the story goes on and tells you, everybody was looking, Jesus cast out the demon. Everybody thought the boy was dead. Jesus walks up to the boy, he said, yo, what's up, bro? Come on, get up, picks him up. And the guy's like, yo, let's go play some ball. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he was fine, like he's gone. It's over. Because when Jesus speaks, dead things come to life. When Jesus speaks, everything changes. And then privately, after it was all over, everybody went home. The disciples, the nine, who were still at the bottom of the mountain waiting for Jesus to come back, pulled Jesus to the side. And look what they said in verse 28. Afterwards, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we do it? Why couldn't we cast out the spirit? You gave us the authority. You gave it to us. We, we tried. We put hands on him. We tried to do it. And then Jesus says, this kind can only be, or this kind can be cast out only by prayer, and some of your translations maybe say prayer and fasting. See, this is not just a surface level. You gotta go deep. This is a spiritual issue going on here. It's bigger than what just the surface that you think. There's something deep, and if you're gonna go and fix this, you gotta go deep in praying and in fasting. And then it went on to the next story. And so what I wanna share with you this morning, because I think a lot of us live right there, I believe, but help my unbelief. What do you do when belief and doubt collide? Well, let me share with you real quickly some encouraging things for you when it comes to your faith. Because some of you beat yourself up because you don't think you have enough faith. Or you don't think that you, you know, you just gotta have more faith. If I just had more faith, then maybe, then maybe it would happen. And so let me share with you real quickly, just if you're taking notes about your faith. The first thing you need to know is that your faith, or my faith, is in Jesus, not my faith. My faith is in Jesus, not my faith. Some of people get caught up and going, I don't have enough faith, I don't have enough faith, I don't have faith, and you start putting your faith in your faith. It's not about putting your faith in your faith, it's faith in Jesus. It starts there, begins there. It's not about your faith in your faith or your faith in what you know and your faith in your attendance and your faith in your giving. It's not, no, your faith is in Jesus. It's the placement of it. Where are you putting it? It's the object of your faith. If you put faith in your faith, that's not the right place. It's not the object of your faith. Your faith is in Jesus and what he said. So you have to put your faith in the right place because it's not about how much faith you have. It's the placement of your faith in which God moves. And some people say, oh, and I'm, I'm telling you, man, it's been sad. It's sad. Some people, I mean, I was asked this question last week. 
Some people, I've laid my hands on people who are on their deathbed and prayed and watched God kill them. And I've done the same thing with people on their deathbed and praying. And within moments and minutes, God take them home. And there will be a teaching out there that says, the reason why that happened is because you didn't have enough faith. <laughs> Folks, listen to me. If it's God's will, there ain't nothing you can do about it. You hear that. But if it ain't God's will, then he's gonna come through and he's gonna do and he's gonna make it happen if it's not time for them or if it's time for them. Whatever. And what happens is there's so many people tragically been told, it's all your fault. You didn't have enough faith for God to heal your granny. That's sad. Because what happens is you begin to put your faith in your faith and you think it's the amount of your faith that does it. Your faith is not what heals them. Jesus is what heals them. Do you see that? That's the difference. It's not, and so there's like, if I just had more faith, and you're just so much more faithful. No, they just got their faith in the object, which is Jesus. So you need to get around people who, can, who sees and has their faith in Jesus, not their faith. Because you can't carry that burden. It's not that. It's like, I'm going to trust you. God, I have faith. You will heal them. And God will heal in a few ways. And the ultimate healing is that God takes them on to be with him. And he just didn't heal the way you thought. See, it's not how much. Because Jesus says this. <laughs> See this little mustard seed? Oh, my goodness. If you just had this much faith. Man, you can move these crazy mountains in your life. What did Jesus say? He's not saying, listen, you gotta have this faith about this big. If your faith was this big, he says, are you kidding me? If it's just this, this small, that's enough for me to move. It's enough for me to move when you believe and doubt at the same time. That's all I need. I just need to know that you believe. And your belief is in me. Your faith is in Jesus, not in your faith. Here's the second thing you need to know. Faith is a, isn't a journey. Faith isn't an event. It's a journey. It's not a one-time thing. It's a journey. It's gonna take you some time. It's gonna take you time to kind of grow in your faith. Because why? Because sometimes you feel holy and sometimes you feel human. And you know what? That happens usually in the 30 minutes on Sunday morning. You're human in the car on the way here arguing and you're holy when you walk through the doors. Can I get a witness? Amen. Right? Sometimes I feel like worshiping, sometimes I don't. See, faith is a journey. When you start out and your faith begins to grow, the disciples even ask that, hey, how, how, how do we increase our faith? I'm gonna talk about this in the weeks to come. He says, increase your obedience because every time you obey, your faith will grow. You'll trust me more. When, you come, when I say something, when I speak, you'll see God can do it because he said he would and God has. It's not an event. It's a journey and a process. Here's the third thing. Faith, and this one's big, is measured by my genuineness. It's, by, it's, based, it's based on my genuineness, not my certainty. God's just looking for you to be genuine with it. Not that you're certain. Was this man certain? I believe, God, but please help me overcome my unbelief. It wasn't the certainty that moved him. It was the genuineness. Do you see that? It was the genuineness. When your faith is genuine, when you're like, you know what, I just trust you. And the places that I, I'm having problems, help me, Lord. He's like, that's all I need. That's all I need. Now watch me move. 
Watch me come through. Watch me deliver you. Watch me move like you've never seen me move before. I will help and assist you and I will give you the faith to carry on through this. And then lastly, and this one's a big one to have belief, not unbelief. It's because this faith, this belief brings Jesus into my circumstances. It brings Jesus into my circumstances. When I have faith that brings Jesus into my marriage, when I have faith that brings Jesus into my workplace, when I have faith that brings Jesus into my physical problem, when I have faith that brings Jesus into the emotions that I'm dealing with and going through, when I have faith that brings Jesus into my circumstances, and watch this, and it puts hope in my situation. Jesus only can do that. Only Jesus can bring you hope. And the crazy thing about this is that belief and unbelief both produced prayer because he cried out to God, help me. Right in the midst of both of them. And Jesus is gonna say, this kind really only can come out by prayer. What does praying mean? Prayer is this dependency upon God. Prayer is saying, God, I'm not perfect and I am inadequate and I depend on you. I depend on you. I believe. Help my unbelief. You know, I believe that the disciples actually may have been putting their faith in themselves. That they got a little bit on the side going, hey, I got this under control. I can do this in my own strength. And maybe that's why Jesus said, no, 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 no. This one I'm gonna do by, by prayer and fasting. The reason I say that is because right after this, they begin to argue who's gonna be the greatest in the kingdom. When you're thinking about yourself being great, that's only because you have pride. And when you got pride in your heart and your life, pride will bronze you. Pride will put your faith in you because you think you're good. And when you got pride in your life thinking you could handle it, you render yourself ineffective. But when you put your faith, not in yourself, not in your talents, not in your gifts, not in your wisdom, but in Jesus, mountains can be moved. How does this work? Faith is the assurance and the hope and the conviction of things not seen. I'm gonna trust him. Hebrews 2 says, fix your eyes on Jesus, who's the author and the perfecter of our faith. You're struggling right now with a little bit of unbelief? Put your eyes on Jesus. You need some help in your life? Put your eyes on Jesus. Whatever area you're struggling in your life, put it and give it attention to Jesus. And then cry out, I believe. Now help me overcome where I lack of trust. God, I believe you can come through, but help me. And he will. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads. God will speak and you'll have to make a decision. Do I believe? Am I gonna trust him or not? And if you'll trust him, you will experience him. And he will take you on this journey that will radically change your life. All you gotta do is believe. You know, you may be here this morning and the reason why you're having a hard time trusting him in areas of your life because you never surrendered your life to him. You can do that today. 
the same way, unbelief renders and hinders miracles performing in your life, listen to me. It's the sin of unbelief that sends us to hell. Unbelief. You choose not to believe. I'm not talking intellectually. You may believe. I'm talking about you received it. And it's belief that he came, that he died, that he got up at the grave that frees me from my sin. And allows me to spend eternity with him. Do you believe? And if you do, cry out. Say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you got up out of the grave for me. Now help me. As you forgive me of all my sins, help me. Trust you, follow you all the days of my life. That's a, if you, that's a genuine prayer. If you pray that genuinely, God's like, that's all I need. And he'll save you. And he'll change you. And he'll use you if you believe. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the series to go back and to see how you move in our hearts and our lives and how you speak to us. And I pray, God, when you do, the answer is yes, that we will believe and we'll respond by faith. And when we do, we're gonna, over the next couple of weeks, learn, Lord, when we make adjustments and obey you, what you begin to do in our lives. So God, we can't wait to see what you're gonna do over the next couple of weeks. And we thank you, Lord, today for changing people's hearts and perspectives. May they put their faith in you, who's the author and the perfecter, the object of our faith. For it's in your name we ask and we pray.